Welcome to this week's Gig News, your go-to podcast covering the latest news, trends, and viral posts from the delivery and rideshare sectors of the gig economy. Now, let's turn it over to your hosts, professional gig workers Chad, the gig economist, and Hannibal is hungry. Hey, welcome to this week's Gig News with me, GigTube. Hannibal is hungry, and Brian Instacart Bulldog is back again. How you doing, man? Doing good. How about yourself? Uh, I've had a really lousy two weeks, and it's not getting much better. <laughs> oh no! And by the way, how am I sounding now? Is this any better? Because I, I, yeah, I, I figured out the wrong setting that I had on my uh, setup here. Yeah, now it sounds like it's coming out of that yeah, mic. Pretty, Thank you. Sorry about that. And welcome back. Welcome back, Brian. Good hey, Hannibal. Good to see you again. And thank awesome. you, Chad, as well. Yep. I thought that when you were on the show a few weeks ago, actually, it was almost a month ago, but I thought it was one of our better shows. So, yes. And thank you for, very much for that comment, too. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I saw that on there, so appreciate that. And by I haven't the way, worked. Milestone for me today. I hit 500. I'm sitting right at 500 subscribers right now. Oh, congrats. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, thank awesome. you. I thought you were going to say 500 Instacart batches or something. <laughs> I, I, I've lost track how many batches I've done. <laughs> oh, well, since it brought up, how many do you think you have? <laughs> well, both probably a couple many, thousand. Many yeah? Yeah, I would think so. Did you get the Bronze Club? They, oh, they, they, they send you socks. Grief. Oh, uh, yes, I did, actually. I did get socks. Yeah, I don't know where yeah. they are. I think that's for 2000. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, I still, I've got I still have mine there. in my sock drawer. They have carrots <laughs> on them, don't they? I took one look at them and just went, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's the, it's the cart logo <laughs> and the carrot, you know? Yeah. That's just cool. Put them away. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hannibal's at like three batches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's small. It's a small amount. Not, it's probably more than three, but definitely not nowhere near 500. I'm now nowhere near 50. <laughs> mm-hmm. As my son almost tripped over my wire here. I just don't understand. Well, this is like the second or third week in a row where you're upstairs. You moved your yeah. setup. Actually, my uncle is uh, fixing up uh, the studio. We call it that. But we see, I think it was finished. Uh, but I actually like up here because it's much warmer than the cold basement. So, oh, okay. Going back down there. We'll see. How is your week? Anything special happen? Slow. Slow week, nothing, nothing special, nothing going on over here. No, that's not very exciting for a podcast, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, we're human. We we have the same struggles that many other people are facing right now. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of just yeah, just been chill, but nothing too, nothing, not, not a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I haven't worked in two weeks, and I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm going to work next week either. So uh, I'll let you know. Uh, um, anyway, let, let us um, know when you're uh, evicted from for not paying rent, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I got that PPP grant, so oh, okay. I, I'm made in the shade, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've I've always been to do, and I I never um I should plug the audio podcast at the beginning of the show. So if you're watching this on the replay. And then you're like, man, I don't want to sit here and watch these guys for two hours. Well, you can download the audio podcast and then listen in your car or while you're working out or whatever it is you do while you listen to podcasts. So uh, just go to bit.ly slash the gig to podcast link in the description below. 
And you can subscribe on any, literally any podcatcher. You name it, this show is on there. So anyway, let's get to our first news. This one actually affects me. Amazon flex drivers to receive payments in $61 million tip settlement. Checks and PayPal payments are going out to more than 140,000 drivers whose tips were allegedly withheld. Amazon settled the case of the FTC in February. That shows you how quick the courts move. Settled in February, almost a year later. So Amazon has released more than $61 million to settle claims by the Federal Trade Commission that it withheld tips from over 140,000 of Amazon Flex drivers for more than two years. And now the agency is sending the settlement money to drivers, the FTC announced Tuesday. They alleged in a lawsuit it filed earlier this year that Amazon had secretly withheld some tips from drivers starting in 2016 and only stopped the practice in 2019 when it learned of the FTC investigation. The highest amount going to a single Amazon Flex driver is more than $28,000 with the average amount $422. Um, Amazon told both customers and drivers that the drivers would receive 100% of any tips paid. However, that practice ended in 2016. The change came when Amazon allegedly lowered the hourly pay for Amazon Flex drivers, but didn't tell them, making up the difference with customer tips. Hundreds of drivers complained to Amazon when their earnings dropped. Amazon has previously said it disagrees with the characterization that the company was unclear about how hourly tips were paid and that it made the policy more clear in 2019. The company agreed to settle the FTC's lawsuit in February. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So and it said uh, FTC said payments will go out as checks or PayPal. And uh, any driver who receives more than $600 is going to have to claim that on their federal income tax. So, uh, yeah, I've been an Amazon Flex driver since 2018. Although I'm not sure that this is going to, I'm not sure if I'm going to get any money off this because this is off of tips, which would be from Whole Foods deliveries and like Amazon Fresh and Amazon Prime Now, where you actually get tips. If you're just doing package delivery, there's no tips on that unless a customer hands you a t- tip at the door, which is really rare, except maybe like around Christmas. So I haven't got uh, any money on this yet. If I do, I think it'd be less than a hundred bucks, but who knows? Although 61 million for Amazon. I mean, that's like pocket change to them, right? Yeah, definitely. That's it's just, I'm just trying to figure out why they decided to do this practice, which is, Again, it's not the first time we heard about the idea of the um, you know, company withholding tips. I know DoorDash has been accused of this a couple of years back, but it just seems that if the you know Amazon is the most one of the most valuable companies in the world, right? Even even if they do this, what does that tell us about these other companies that's nowhere near as profitable? Like they're not profitable, like Amazon is. And there these other companies are doing these type of things too. It's like what hope do we have for drivers to really feel like these companies are transparent in any way, shape, or form. It just seems like it's not a lot of hope. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I agree 100%. I, I think Instacart had this problem too at one time where, uh, you know, th- they were, you know, skimming on the tips that looked like, and there was a whole bunch of settlement checks going out for that. I, I don't know. Are they still going out, Chad? I, I can't remember what I've been reading online, but I wasn't part of it in any way, shape, or form. But uh, it's, yeah, it, it does cause a distrust in the gig economy apps, even though they all seem like they've they've changed up a little bit. Though I was just watching a, um, uh, a Pedro video today, uh, DoorDash Santiago, and he was uh, going on about how a restaurant was able to keep a Dasher's tip, like $15 yeah. from a Dasher's tip. That was saw that. really interesting. Holy yeah. cow. I think the biggest problem is that, again, going back to the, the business model that, 
uh, DoorDash and uh, Uber and Uber Eats and Lyft and all these gig economy um, businesses. Can they do this business without with with the with the with the current situation they're doing? It looks like what was happening is that these fees that the company the customers are paying is not enough money to do the job or to get everything paid. So this is why we have to we are working on tips. That's why these companies are being shady. There were it seemed like the the value of the trip to go somewhere with an Uber is being artificially lowered. And it's not based on really not based on the market dynamics of should this, you know, take all these items that you bought from Instacart and bring it to your house. Should they be as cheap as they should be? Or should it be should the customer pay more money? I mm. mean, they probably should be paying more money, but they're not. And then somehow this is with the game that's being played and we're kind of as a labor, we're just well we're with inflation coming, I think you're gonna see prices go up across the board. Although I don't, I don't know about about our wages going up though. And so, it'll probably stay, stay like that for a while, probably. Yeah. I think it may stay think, for a long time. I think we're a little off the subject though, because we were just talking about Amazon. Yeah, so. we are, I know we all are. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we got we got th- three safety stories in a row. So uh, mm-hmm. let's get back to our everybody's favorite company, DoorDash. I don't know it took them so long, but they finally DoorDash rolls out Safe Dash. Or is everything going to have Dash in the name? An in-app security toolkit for delivery people on the platform. Uh, this is works a lot like what's in Uber, Lyft, and a lot of other apps that already have this. So I'm going to read this real quick. DoorDash is introducing SafeDash, a new in-app security toolkit aimed at helping its delivery part providers feel safe while they work. It's rolling out in New York, Chicago, Philly, Detroit, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and then users uh, across the USA will get it by the end of the year. The company has partnered with ADT to launch two new features within the toolkit. The safety reassurance call feature lets users connect with the ADT agent through the Dasher app in instances where they may feel unsafe. The ADT agent will remain on the phone until the individual feels safe. If the incident escalates and the person is unresponsive for a period of time, ADT will contact 911 to request an emergency response to their last known location based on GPS from their smartphone. DoorDash is also rolling out emergency assistance button that allows users to seek help if needed. Once a delivery person clicks the button, an ADT agent will contact 911 and discreetly stay in contact with the user via text messages. The agent will then pass along critical information, such as the person's location, to 911 operators. The company notes that the feature allows users to get help from 911 without having to speak on the phone. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. But so, I mean, if you're an Uber driver, Uber has had this feature for years. And Lyft has the same thing. Instacart has, they do have a safety thing, but it's like, it's kind of buried in the app. And I mean, I, I'm not going to complain or poo poo these safety measures that much. My only complaint is that, do we really need a middleman between me and 911? Like, why can't I just call 911 directly? Do I, do I need an in-app, you know, private security agency? I would love to hate yeah, I has agree. anybody actually used one of these services? I mean, I, I I don't really understand why you would want a middleman between you and nine one one. Yeah, I, I I've often thought that same thing when Instacart rolled out its uh, safety feature, and I'm like, yeah, by the time I push all these things to get through the app to that, it's like I can just nine one one directly myself, <laughs> and it would save everybody a lot of time. Yeah, you know, go right to to your whoever your local dispatcher is. So yeah, I I'm with you on that. So I don't know. 
it's probably one of these feel good things. It may protect them from the trial lawyers uh, at some point. I don't know. There's yeah, I can't tell what CEOs think sometimes. I think it's I think it's nice to have it. It's nice to have it. Nice. It's nice to it's there. Um, I know that for Uber and Lyft driver or customers that there, there's some security stuff in the app as well. If you feel unsafe, you can, you know, it's in the app again. You can call 911. I guess it's another thing that help. And just like what Brian said, you know, help with some liability issues and stuff like that. But you still want to, the main toolkit is you understanding your surroundings, you not just running into all of the most dangerous neighborhoods. Like you should yep. definitely, you know, take your safety seriously. Uh, you know, leaving your car on if you don't have your, you know, a recent car where it's unlocked. Like a lot of those things are more important than necessarily, you know, the in in app safety feature. Hey, yeah. and and as one who is familiar with inner cities, I lived in Baltimore too, and oh, and Philadelphia, so I understand <laughs> how how people can be nervous in certain neighborhoods. And if that is something um, that the one thing about this feature that I can say that is, that could be valuable to some people would be the fact that the ADT agent would be on the line with them. And then if for some reason the phone does go silent because, you know, they get choked from behind or, you know, whatever abducted, you know, then, then there is something there that could have, yeah, could save some precious moments yeah. in time and and hopefully get a police response out in that area because anybody knows when you're reacting to to a violent crime you know er, every second every minute matters I, I would love to hear from somebody so if you've ever had to use one of these middleman in-app safety features let me know either if it was a good experience or a bad experience let, let us know in the chat or yeah. if you're watching the replay let us know in the comments so uh, yeah, and if one safety story is enough, well, we got two more here. In fact, <clears throat> this is a sequel to what we uh, talked about last week with all these carjackings in Minneapolis. So Lyft adds new safety feature in Minneapolis over uptick in carjackings targeting rideshare drivers. So Lyft is rolling out a new safety feature in Minneapolis that requires an additional form of ID from riders using anonymous payment methods like Venmo. The move comes in response to more than 40 carjackings and robberies of rideshare drivers reported in the city since August. Uh, let's see. This one, let's get to the what the actual safety is. So Lyft's new safety feature is designed to deter these types of incidents by requiring additional ID from riders who set up accounts from anonymous payment methods, such as prepaid gift cards, Venmo, and PayPal, which are frequently linked to fraud and other high-risk behaviors, according to a news release. Riders are asked to re- provide a driver's license, state ID, or another type of document showing their name or mailing address. And uh, there's been an up, upward trend in carjackings in Minneapolis over the last year. In May, police data showed a 200 200% increase from the prior year. And police are currently investigating six carjackings that occurred on one night last week. So, again, nice that they're doing this. First of all, why is this only in one city? This this should be a nationwide thing. I mean, drivers have been complaining about this for years. You know, because rideshare driving was the first gig job I ever had all the way back in the spring of 2017 so and they like they always said like you know there should be a way to screen passengers like a, at least a little because i mean anybody i mean like you know like i could you know call an uber or lyft and then put like a drunk girlfriend or even some stranger i have no idea who they are in the car under my name and i mean if something happens like well that wasn't me in the car but still 
you know, like, so, I mean, like stuff like that happens and it's like, you know, so there's always going to be a way for the real scuzz bags to get around it. You know, I mean, this is something, but again, as sorry to sound like a broken record, why take you guys years to roll this feature out? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this too, because uh, you know, you're using a stolen credit card, debit card, or whatever, or even those prepaid cards, you know, whether they're stolen or bought legitimately uh, wouldn't matter. But you know, what's to say that they're not using a stolen ID to try and verify their quote unquote identity? Uh, yeah, it don't seem like there's a lot that could be done to really make everyone safe, considering the crime that is hitting all these areas, all these cities is not something DoorDash and, and, and Lyft and Uber can really do. They're not law enforcement agency. It's really up to the local uh, police forces. It's a, and unfortunately in some of these places, it's political. Certain things are defunded. Some things are refunded and we're not going to go into politics, but you know, certain areas is going to be more of a problem. So the decision is a personal one. Do you want to still do ride share? Knowing that carjackings are up and assaults are up and robberies are up. Or you say, it's not worth it. I'm going to go pick up chicken McNuggets in my car and not have anyone come in and in my car at all. The only person to be me. That decision will be made. And that's, I'm assuming that's why there's not a lot of Lyft and uh, Uber drivers around. Yeah. Uh, DC gig worker 21 said, I think this isn't bad by Lyft, but they need to do more like the checker screen. Uh, they're not going to run checker background checks on every passenger. That would, Cost them billions. (laughs) It would take forever. Unless they charge the passenger for the, you know, like, hey, you want to be a Lyft rider? Well, you got to pay 50 bucks. Because I've actually applied for gig apps and they would charge you the checker background fee unless you had like one from the last three or six months or something. So, yeah, that's that's never going to happen. Sorry, DC gig worker. Beyond that, we take matters in our own hands. Yeah, I agree. First of all, Uber and Lyft, they need to uh, get rid of the no, you like they have a no we- weapons policy, which is total bullshit. I mean, like, I think the fine line, the fine print, if you read it, it says like, it's like they ban weapons unless your local city or ordinance bans the band. Like, because I've seen stories of Uber drivers, especially here in Florida, happen. I, I, I had a video on this channel. It was about, two or three years ago and it was actually out in polk county uh where i used to live of a uber driver like picking up some drunk girl in the middle of the night and her jealous it was like straight out of like a tv show or a movie where the jealous ex-boyfriend total redneck thought she was getting in a car with another dude to go home with him and he was just the uber driver and like he run the the drunk dude runs the uber driver off the road and then he gets out of the car and he's he's he pretends he's holding a gun, but it's just his phone or or something like this. And yeah, the Uber driver is, is packing and he just sticks his gun out the window and shoots the dude dead. Wow. I could bring that up yep. if you want to see it. And yeah, uh, that, like that, that went that went that went to a dark place really quickly. Jeez. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm right. pretty sure that, that Uber driver got deactivated, but you know, he, at least he's alive to tell it. I mean, you can get a new job, but Here's an interesting thing. I would feel like my life was threatened as well. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, in fact, it does bring up a very good legal question because Instacart, I read their policy as well, their no weapons policy. And, you know, I I wonder what a good attorney would have to say about that because, 
Uh, remember in Florida, a car is an extension of your home. You know, the castle doctrine also applies to your vehicle. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things where I think I'm not sure they could really do that, but of course, Instacart isn't the, um, yeah, they, they don't have lawyers in every state, city, or county either to take a look at these things. So they'll just deactivate you first, and then yeah. you can try and challenge it later to probably no yeah. success. So, <laughs> yeah, and they know that. Mm-hmm. All right, we got one more safety story. This one is a really, really long one from The Intercept. I think it's like 5,000 words. But So I'm just going to go over like kind of the bullet points here. So Uber patents reveal experiments with predictive algorithms to identify risky drivers. Surveilling drivers under the guise of safety is a common thread in Uber's patents. Experts warn the systems described could reinforce existing inequalities. Um, They really bury the lead on this one. I'm going to go all the way down here. So one patent for scoring driver safety risk relies on machine learning and rider feedback and noticeably suggests a driver's heavy accent corresponds to low-quality service. Another aims to predict safety incidents using machine learning models that determine the likelihood that a driver will be involved in dangerous driving or interpersonal conflict, utilizing factors like psychometric tests to determine their trustworthiness, monitoring their social media networks, and using official sources like police reports to overcome biases and rider feedback. Um, There's some other ones. Surveilling drivers is a, yeah, we just said that. Many, Many evaluate drivers' performance using information from their phones, including one that scores their driving ability and suggests tracking their eye and head movements with phone cameras and another that detects their behavioral state, angry, intoxicated, or sleepy, and assigns them an abnormality score. Additional patents aim to monitor driver's behavior using in-vehicle cameras and approximate distraction, distraction level with an activity log that tracks what else they're doing on their phones, making a call, looking at a map, or even moving the phone around could indicate distraction uh, the algorithm outlined in a 2019 safety risk scoring patent shows how dangerous these systems can be in real life. Experts said, noting that it could mimic riders' existing biases. Um, so this is this is a really long article. I mean, it's a good read. So um, link in the description below if you have the time to read it. We just we just don't have time to go over it tonight. We're going to be here all night if we do. But it's 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 interesting and like it's also not the first time I've heard this. This is very very similar to what Amazon does. With their drivers, although like with Amazon vans, they actually have cameras in the van. Whereas with Uber drivers, I mean, you just have your own phone, which I'm sure maybe the, the, I bet you there's something in the app that can turn on the front facing camera, you know, to like maybe look at you without your uh, knowledge or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, big brother in the it's private sector, bro. They can do whatever they want. What do you think? Well, they can do whatever they want to to certain limits, and that that that's where uh, technology usually outpaces, uh, you know, legislation. So there's going to be that. Of course, there's going to be litigation because there are some very good privacy concerns that have been raised in this article by attorneys, by the way. So um, you know, th- there could be, yeah, you know, th- there will be pushback anytime any company tries to get. Uh, overly aggressive with the use of, of snooping technology. And especially when you're using predictive behaviors, I mean, um, yeah, again, I think this article brings up a good point about racism. Uh, you know, check, 
judging people just because they have an accent or the time of day that they're uh, doing their driving. Uh, I mean, heck with me. Are they going to look at me and see me flip somebody off and then think I'm the aggressive one when the guy was the one who all, you know, ran me off the road? You know, mm-hmm. how, how's that going to work out? I mean, th- it goes there's a long slippery slope here, longer than <laughs> coming off of Mount Washington, New Hampshire in a snowstorm. <laughs> well, so to play the devil at devil's advocate on this one. So maybe certain things like, yeah, the accents were things, but like distraction. If they notice that you're very distracted on your phone, um, even though it doesn't really help because Uber sends offers while you drive. I mean, all these apps do this. So that kind of that does negate my point just now. But the idea that distraction driving caused so many accidents. I mean, you know, me and Brian were talking before the show started about how our love for watching car accident videos on YouTube, or at least my my love. A lot of accidents, as you can tell by the footage, is someone being distracted, especially getting rear-ended or or they, they, uh, it's something a uh, sudden speed change something's happening and the person's not reacting so i'm wondering if if uber and some of these apps can kind of figure out who is just really distracted while they're driving at least at least that point would be something that could be a good thing that can stop stop some of these accidents that you know can kill people basically the other stuff is a little bit more on a weird you know big mm-hmm. big brother i think amazon seems to be doing a lot of this crazy uh, algorithm for the employees and stuff like that in the warehouses. So just seems like that's a more of an extension of that. Now you're doing with independent contractors, which it could be a, a slippery slope. It's so like Uber and Lyft and Amazon. Uh, some of the other gig companies, like they're, they're trying to be a good 10 to 20 years ahead of the curve. So like they're trying to get this technology in place now, even though it might not be implemented for like a generation, you know, but you know, it's like you have to start building the infrastructure at some point. So it's possible that this is all stuff that won't be like fully implemented, like, you know, driverless cars. We're not going to all have Tesla's or the equivalent for like at least another generation, maybe two, you know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, but with Uber, it's like, who knows what those wacky guys are up to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seems like a good place to take our first break. And if you've been watching the show for a while, this should come a no, no surprise. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time? The Driver's Utility Helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you, automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All right. So going back to Business Insider, and if you've been watching the show for a while, this may sound like a rerun, but it's not. Uh, six ultra-fast delivery startups with nearly $5 billion in funding are duking it out to own the New York City market. Uh, so more than 100 rapid grocery delivery services are operating worldwide with the most experienced players coming out of Germany, Russia, and Turkey. <clears throat> the operators behind some of these ultra-fast delivery services, along with U.S. upstarts, are taking on the Big Apple. New York City has become the... Uh, latest battleground with gorillas, bike, GoPuff, Fridge No More, Joker, and fifteen twenty, setting up dark stores throughout Manhattan in the city's outer boroughs. 
A dark store is a retail shop used to sell goods for delivery. It's not for in-person shopping. Most deliver grocery and, and convenience store staples within 30 minutes. Some, like Bike, provide ultra-fast delivery within 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, let's see. So I'm just going to go over the uh, the uh, bullet points of each one. So Bike, total funding, $46 million, notable investors, CM Ventures, Fort Ross, Sidious, CEO, Slava Bakarov, mm -hmm. Uh, founded in 2021, headquartered in New York City. Fridge No More, total funding 16.9 million. Man, I could do that. Whose mic is loud? Uh, notable investor, Insight Partners, founders, Daniel, Pavel Dan Donilov and Anton. And they have these Russian names. Years founded 2020, uh, headquartered in New York. GoPuff, uh, total funding 3.5 billion. Notable investors, SoftBank. Vision Fund, Bell, Gifford, D1 Capital Partners, Luxor Capital, uh, founded in, in Philly in 2013. Gorillas, uh, total funding 1.2 billion. Notable investors, Delivery Hero, Tencent Holdings, DST Global, and Kotu Management, uh, founded in 2020 in Berlin. Joker, which, how are they not been sued by DC Comics for using the name Joker? Total funding, $170 million. Series A only. Joker said it was not disclosing its initial seed investment amount. Notable investors, SoftBank, Tiger Global, founded in 2021 in New York. 1520, total funding, $7.8 million. Wow, that's nothing. Notable investors, Graycroft, One Way Ventures, and Flint Capital, uh, founded in New York in 2021. So, uh, let's see. Like I said... Sorry to sound like a broken record, but Hannibal and I have talked about GoPuff and these other ultra rapid, fast delivery companies for actually since we started the show. So Hannibal, since this is your town, have you used any of these services yet? Or do you see that the drivers uh, are in your neighborhood? Have um, you talked to any of them? Gorillas is, seems like they're coming, they're leaving, they're spreading. I guess they're, they're moving around more in terms of, uh, spreading out more of the territory. I've seen that. Um, there's so many companies. Eventually, again, someone's going to get brought in out. There's too many. Mm -hmm. um, they're all competing very, very aggressively. Um, I've seen more gorillas than the rest of them. Um, and we've had so many stories, uh, Chad, about how GoPuff is on the verge of something. Like someone's going to get brought out because how inefficient their, their business is. But in terms of um, the other ones, I think they're just really small. They're all just fighting little pockets. And eventually, some people can be like looking to buy. And I think so far, Gorillas, in my opinion, seems to be the one that's out there more. But Gorillas is a W two job. You don't ha again. Mm. They give you the bike. They give you the scooter. Um, I think I think Go Puff is was a little mix of the two. But Gorillas just seems more of a W two thing maybe that's actually a, the model that would work in terms of becoming more successful we'll see that in a few but they're just so many of the same kind of company that eventually one of these companies are going to rule them all i, I it's just when that's <laughs> going to happen we'll never know one company to rule them all yeah. have you been following these at all brian i mean they're no because they're really just not in my market so yeah. uh, although i did hear of GoPuff earlier today and that's because another uh youtuber is uh was set to premiere a video i don't know when uh but it was about their first run with GoPuff. so that apparently they are outside of new york city uh so we'll see 
Yeah. Are you talking about Gig Mom? I think that's. Yes, I am actually. Yeah. yeah. And her being in Tampa, Florida. So. Yeah. Technically, I'm in with GoPuff, and they'll text me every once in a while. Say it'll say, "Hey, orders are flying off the shelves or whatever." But the problem, like GoPuff, it works a lot like Amazon Flex, where it's like you have to go to a warehouse, and then they hmm. give you a route, and then you go deliver it, and then you have to go all the way back to the warehouse, and then you just you just keep doing that until your shift runs out. So I think I think GoPuff is. It's a it's a, it's a W two job, but they pay you like ten ninety nine. Like, but they, you know, you get like the tip system is very cryptic and all that. So I just hmm. I don't know if I'll ever do GoPuff just because it's so far away. So unless they unless they open a warehouse closer to me, I'm I don't know if I'm ever going to do it unless I move closer to a warehouse. So, um, let's move on to the next story. And again, sounds like a broken record. We talked we covered this like in our first week or two. This is from AP News. Robots hit the streets as demand for food delivery grows. See the little Yandex robot there. Um, so robot food delivery is no longer the stuff of science fiction, but you may not see it in your neighborhood anytime soon. Hundreds of little robots knee-high and able to hold around four large pizzas are now navigating college campuses and even some city sidewalks in the U.S., U.K., and elsewhere. While robots were being tested in limited numbers before the coronavirus hit, the companies building them say pandemic-related labor shortages and a growing preference for contactless delivery have accelerated their deployment. Robot designs vary, but some have four wheels and some have six, for example. But generally, they use cameras, sensors, GPS, and sometimes laser scanners to navigate sidewalks and even cross streets autonomously. They move around five miles an hour. Remote, remote operators keep tabs on multiple robots at a time, but they say they really rarely need to hit the brakes or steer around an obstacle when a robot arrives at its destination, customers type a code in their phone, open the lid, and retrieve their food. The robots have drawbacks that limit their usefulness for now. They're electric, so they must recharge regularly. They're slow, and they generally stay within a small pre-map radius. They're also inflexible. A customer can't tell a robot to leave the food outside the door. And some big cities with crowded, sod- ah, crowded sidewalks like New York, Beijing, and San Francisco aren't welcoming them. So, uh, And this goes on. For a bit, and again, if you've uh, been watching this show since the summer, Hannibal and I have talked about this before. I don't know why these these robot delivery stories keep blowing up, but uh, but mostly they're confined like college campuses and like military bases right now, which makes sense. Like especially when there's no or very little like actual traffic, traffic, you know, foot traffic is a different story. But um. I don't know, Brian, you scared that your job's going to be taken by a robot? <laughs> I'm not worried about it one bit. Uh, number one, we don't have that many sidewalks around here. This infrastructure is actually pretty poor, if you ask me. And then, um, you know, trying to get GPS coordinates correct on that, that's going to be great when they show up to the wrong house, especially when the actual house is like a quarter mile down the road. So I'm not worried about it one bit. <laughs> what do you think, think Anwar? I think right now yeah don't as it's something you may not have to worry about but i think it's something that's going to be on the horizon if we want if us customers we look at not us as the gig workers but as as customers that want these products as cheap as possible we're going to have to basically have to worry about how the how the companies going to continue to do that the only way they're going to be able to do that is going more into this getting more robots around because you don't have to worry about them complaining about benefits and how low the base wage is. So eventually this is going to happen. Um, is it going to happen tomorrow? No, but it's a, it's going, it's inevitable if they want these companies to actually make a profit. 
Kind of yeah. like the self-ordering kiosks at McDonald's, you know, <laughs> yeah. that or, or, or Wawa, you know, uh, Chad, I remember when, uh, and I, I don't have Wawa's around here, but I've lived in areas that did. And boy, when they first came out with those kiosks to order your, your hoagies, mm-hmm. I was a little upset at that. And now <laughs> actually I've adapted to it. I actually like it because my orders are now correct. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. te- technology, it's, one of those things that seems threatening right now, but sometimes can work out for the better. I don't know. The only problem with the kiosks and Wawa is there's no way to put like, hey, just a smidge of hot sauce or whatever, you know? <laughs> I always said to the elder person, hey, that's my, if you're making, that's, you know, <laughs> just go easy on the garlic aioli, you know? Like, I want like a little, but I don't want like a smeared in that stuff, you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, let's keep moving here. We started a little late, so I'm trying not to take breaks tonight. So this is from Bloomberg. Gig economy rise prompts FTC chiefs call to alter antitrust law. Gig economy workers fighting for higher pay and better working conditions through protests and grassroots organizations. Uh, Campaigns face yet another obstacle in their campaigns. U.S. antitrust law. Federal statutes aimed at promoting competition and preventing monopolies. Leave out gig workers classified as independent contractors from protections from unionizing or whoops, sorry, <laughs> meant to hit this. Um, uh, Federal Trade Commission Chair Lena Khan is pushing to change that through legislation or joint guidance with with the U.S. Justice Department, which would be a more straightforward, if legally risky, way of clarifying that current antitrust exemptions for traditional unions can extend to gig workers. The agencies plan to hold joint workshops in December. Dis- covering the intersection of antitrust and labor. The FTC's push joins an ongoing tug of war in the U.S. among gig companies, lawmakers, regulators, academics, and legal advocates over the employment status of app-based workers for Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and others. It also comes as thousands of workers protested working conditions in October by striking one of the activities that antitrust laws seem to block for gig workers because it may be considered a collective effort to fix the price of labor. Um, well, that's what striking in un- labor unions are. It's it is f- fixing the price of labor. It's just with labor unions, it's legal, you know. Um, I mean, this this goes on. So, I mean, it's just another. If you've been worried about AB five and like w- there's something coming up in Mass, like all the blue states are gonna have their own AB five soon. And we we've, we've talked about the Pro Act, which is like the federal equivalent of AB five, which so far it seems to be dead on arrival or whatever, like it's not going to get past um, the Senate. So, you know, knock on wood about that though. You know, again, we've talked about this before, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the, the antitrust has to do with it though. Well, it's politics, Chad. Uh, it's, it's pure and simple politics. Uh, it's the Biden administration that is uh, trying to ingratiate itself more and more with the union supporters and uh, just trying to grow their ranks as unions have become a little less significant in the workplace. And you know, so that, that's what they're trying to do, number one. Number two, I have a lot of concerns for those who live outside of the right-to-work states, which is going to be predominantly in the northeast of the United States and, and on the west coast as well. Uh, there's, you know, Florida is a right-to-work state, so we can't be forced to join a union. But for those that are in, say, Maryland, New Hampshire, and the like, yeah, you'd be screwed if, if uh, you have unionization come along and then it'd be forced upon you. Uh, there's there's no way around it. And is that what people really want? And 
you know, that's the question they'd have to ask. That that's where this would eventually go. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. I think at least from some of the results that have been happening politically last week, I think what we thought was going to happen in the beginning with, you know, even the PRO Act and a lot of stuff that, you know, the Biden administration was trying to talk about, like the labor secretary, I think his name is Maddie, Maddie Walsh or something like that. Things he was saying that try, basically was trying to say like, hey, a lot of these good companies should make these make their labor employees. But I, f- I feel like what's happening last week and how some of the political, again, you know, bad is not as popular as he once was. The progressive stuff that they were pushing realized a lot of people are not interested in that. So I think a lot of it is just posturing. But like locally, it's just going to be a lot of issues where, you know, like I'm in New York. I, they're going to be doing something, you know, in Massachusetts. They're going to be doing something that's going to make this situation complicated for us uh, who people who want to be who want to continue to be independent contractors. Yep. I think only time's going to tell. So I guess, well, something's, I think something major is going to happen between now and about a year from now. I mean, really what it's going to come down to, uh, and and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, last time I was on here, and that is, uh, you know, classifying somebody as a worker. And Hannibal, I know you, you brought up a whole lot of points and there, and it's already in existing law. And the IRS uses this to determine whether you are an employee. And that is the, the steps, uh, that they have to follow in order to classify you either as an employee or an independent contractor. And if they just followed those steps alone right now that they have an existing law, that may be, you know, there could be a good case made to classify gig workers as employees in a lot of cases, but they probably don't because again, you're dealing with big companies that have a lot of money to buy influence. So there we have it. Exactly. All right, we got one last real news story, then we can get on to the funny fluff stuff. (laughs) And again, from New York, this is New York Post, Uber Explorer dispatching yellow cabs. After all but killing New York City's taxi business, Uber is now exploring the possibility of dispatching yellow cabs, according to documents reviewed by the Post. An Uber executive has lobbied the Taxi and Limousine Commission Uh, On the idea's potential, according to a September city lobby disclosure, the executive is an ally of Bill de Blasio and former lobbyist for a well-connected hotel trades council. No no details of the discussion were provided. Uh, Public policy, uh, Uber declined to comment. New Yorkers took about a half million taxi rides per day until 2014 when Uber and Lyft started to eat their lunch. Now New Yorkers take slightly under 100,000 each day. Through the TLC's e-hail program, app users could potentially see yellow cabs as another option alongside the basic Uber X. On a quarterly earnings call Thursday with Wall Street analyst Uber CEO Dara Kajra Shawi said that as the company grows, it could always ha- have a need to recruit more drivers. I don't think we're ever going to have enough drivers. Uh, you do. <laughs> Uber and Lyft daily ridership in the city is down double digits over the past few months, according to TLC data. Likely because of driver shortages, low supply, and high demand, meaning skyrocketing fares, and thousands of daily riders ditched the app for yellow cabs, according to the TLC data. Um, that's pretty much it. So, New Yorkers could arrange yellow taxi uh, rides through Uber, formerly known as Uber Cab, back in 2013. Uh, they believe you Uber dropped yellow cabs once enough of its cars were on the road. So, uh, it's. It's kind of interesting. 
ironic, kind of crazy, you know, uh, total backwards where Uber would actually be somebody you would call for a yellow cab. Although I wonder how like the prices would, would, would work. Like would they have, cause they don't have surge prices on yellow cabs. It's the, the price is the same in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, however busy it is. But with Uber and Lyft, you know, they can raise their rates um, based on, you know, supply and demand. So I don't know, Hannibal. Have you ever taken a yellow cab? <laughs> Did they ever stop me? Did they ever stop for me? Uh, very rarely. Um, I do remember Uber having the, those cabs in there on uh, the app, but I always went with the Uber X because yellow cabs are more on the downtown Brooklyn or Manhattan. So if you're trying to travel anywhere else, it's unlikely you're going to get a yellow cab. But there's just screams of desperation from Uber. They are running out of drivers. There, they need drivers on the road. The, the fares are just too ridiculous. Um, I th- even think that don't quote me on this, but I think I saw um, either the rideshare guy or the rideshare professor. They were talking about that Uber is going to bring back Uber Pool, which yeah, he, they he are. Was, he was screaming about it. he. he uh, rideshare <laughs> professor was really upset about that. Um, and I know a lot of my ratchet friends love Uber Pool because they didn't spend a lot of money to travel. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? So I think eventually, so, and a lot of Uber drivers seem to hate Uber pool. I thought they liked it because you had multiple uh, customers, but I guess it sucks. So it's just Uber trying to find a way to, to get the fares down. So yeah, they're going to do whatever it takes to, you know, to get more, uh, you know, drivers out on the road. Go ahead, Brian. If I can't drive, I'll bike it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more Chappelle Show, or <laughs> or Gig Two Podcast, whatever the show is called. If I can, here we go. Hi, I'm Luis Berti, and I have a YouTube channel called Delivery TV, a channel where we talk everything that have to do with delivery in Spanish. We try to help the Hispanic community to earn more money and be more professional. Thank you. Yeah, we just I had Lewis. Yeah, I yeah. loved his appearance when you just had him. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. <laughs> yeah, we just had Lewis as a guest last week. And uh, Brian created a commercial kind of like that for his uh, channel. And I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. If I, I will plug any legit gig tube channel. If you want to make your own 30 second promo like that. Um, and so far we've got three of them. So we got Mike delivers and uh, Brian and Scar bulldog. And then Luis at delivery TV. And uh, yeah. So any other gig tubers, if you're out there watching uh, and you want to run a free promo for your channel or website, uh, just go ahead and make it 30 seconds or less. And uh, we'll run it on this show. We'll charge you. Hannibal doesn't need to, cause he's always here. Links, links in the description below. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to talk some food? Let's do it. All right, from USA Today, bananas, fries, Mexican food, and margaritas among top cravings for Uber Eats customers. Move, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hate those things. What's with all the bananas? Apparently, that's what America has been craving. Whether it's to make banana, banana bread, a coronavirus pandemic favorite, or to blend them into smoothies or peel and eat as they come. The fruit has been the most popular grocery item delivered by Uber Eats over the past 12 months. 
Just in September, Uber Eats delivered more than 25,150 pounds, more than 12 tons of bananas in the U.S. According to the rideshare company's Uber Eats Cravings Report released Wednesday, the report provides a snapshot of what customers ordered from the online food and grocery delivery service for the past 12 months. Uber Eats also delivers alcoholic beverages, which began after its acquisition of Drizzly in February 2021. The most popular orders, large margaritas, Tito's Vodka, White Claw Variety Packs, Josh Sellers Cabernet Sauvignon, and Corona. The three cities ordering the most alcohol deliveries, Sacramento, Palm Springs, and Tampa Bay. Well, Florida took two out of the top three. Stop bothering me, Facebook. What? what? Um, the most ordered items, French fries, pad thai, garlic naan, soda, miso soup, California roll, chicken tikka masala, edamame, mozzarella sticks, and spicy tuna roll. How did pizza or burgers not crack the top? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Items on the rise, cheese fries, a side order that increased by more than 1,234%. Most popular cuisines, Mexican burgers and sandwiches, Chinese Indian pizza, sushi, Thai, Mediterranean breakfast, and Vietnamese. Most popular time to order. Whose mic is going off? For customers, weekends are the most popular days to order deliveries. With 5 to 7 p.m., the most popular time to schedule orders. The biggest order, one customer ordered $7,719.82 worth of groceries, more than 218 items. Special orders don't upset Uber Eats. Extra soy sauce, extra spicy, and extra gravy became... More popular requests, uh, while requests lessen for extra avocado, mayo, pickles, and ranch dressing. Super special requests. Uber shared some unique customer requests, including this one about a pulled pork sandwich. If you could please thoroughly saturate the pulled pork with the barbecue sauce. I just want to make sure that the pulled pork is fully covered in barbecue sauce, as Amen. opposed to just putting unsauced meat on the bun and then some barbecue sauce on the top. Um, and a, here's a lovely picture uh, of french fries hannibal your uh your your video cut out oh there it goes again oh oh wait, wait i can uh, hear you but i can't see you hear me but let me see if i can figure out what's going on all right, <laughs> all right well, well i'll let brian riff for a while i have uh delivered quite a few things on uber eats uh but i've never delivered bananas yet um however anybody willing to bring me banana pudding i'll be happy with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true the different dad when i worked at walmart number one seller daily yeah bananas are the number one selling product a- across like all grocery stores battery exhausted <laughs> animal oh, your no. battery is spent yeah <laughs> uh yeah so that's like any trivia question they always He's say just what's sitting the in best? the dark you know they, they they turned off the lights in new york city that that that's yeah. what it is right there and there's another uh Hurricane coming through or something. I see the chair. <laughs> hey, this time of year, you can still get some pretty bad nor'easters up there. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Dude, something. I got to hey, get a chair. What? This I chair will just do... randomly just lower itself. All right. <laughs> I I, I've, uh, I do not do Walmart deliveries on Uber Eats. So, I just I don't even go there. So, maybe that's where the bananas are coming from. But yeah, I just don't do Walmart deliveries. Or they, they could be like, the payouts aren't like, worth it. I'll be making like seven bucks an hour, ten bucks an hour by the time I'm done with it if I took all those offers. I've never seen a I've never seen a Walmart on Uber Eats. I, I know other places get one. Them. They'll drive you nuts. In fact, I don't even see Walmart on DoorDash anymore. I think they're all point pickup and spark delivery now. Hmm. Anyway, 
Uh, Hannibal, any of those uh, items surprise you? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Mexican, all those items you just uh, talked about are items that travel well, where you can order them and at least be decent by the time you come to you know deliver it to the house. So personally, Mexican is probably the most, I order Mexican probably most in any, at, at anything in terms of deliveries. If I'm sitting my butt yeah. anywhere, I'm ordering Mexican food. I don't, if Chipotle counts as Mexican or Qdoba or uh, Tijuana Flats, yeah. I don't buy it, no. <laughs> all, all small business somewhere and, you know, in other, yeah. you know, in Brooklyn, so many restaurants. So, yeah, it's pretty good. By the way, have you noticed, the, have you seen the commercials for Wendy's where they advertise in their new fries? No. Remember we covered the uh, Wendy's was uh, they're making delivery friendly French fries. Oh yeah, a few right. months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started I started seeing commercials for those on TV now. I was like, hey, I knew about that two months ago. Oh, Jacqueline know. Taylor said, uh, "I love this channel because it's spontaneous, not boring." Lol. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. My my, my camera died. I didn't yeah. It. <laughs> By spontaneous, you mean like unprofessional and unorganized. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. We only have one daily dot TikTok story this week. So pizzeria on TikTok blows up Grubhub over its shady business practices. A pizzeria in Florida says it has gone to war with Grubhub after the company added the restaurant to its website without permission. The Tampa-based food establishment San Santoro's Pizzeria revealed in a TikTok video this week that customers had been ordering their food through Grubhub despite the restaurant only providing deliveries through Uber Eats. Every single order made through Grubhub was therefore never delivered and issued the pizzeria didn't discover until it was contacted by customers. We've been having some delivery problems recently. An employee said, listen to this. Grubhub puts us on their website without asking us. And then customers would order and pay for food that would just never come up because we were never signed up. The video's comment section was immediately filled with similar stories from other restaurant workers who likewise claimed to have experienced the same issue with Grubhub. Grubhub would do that to our cafe they steal your menu from online. They never update it. So people order things that were seasonal and gone now. In a follow-up video that had already been viewed more than 400,000 times, Santoro's Pizzeria responded to a user who suggested that a restaurant get a cease and desist order placed against Grubhub. After we posted that video, we found out so many other restaurants were going through the same thing. Um, and that's pretty much it. So uh, actually, I looked into this. Uh, I looked into the, I found the, the pizzeria's um, TikTok channel, but like, the videos, they aren't particularly funny or interesting. It's just, it's like they put a camera on like the, the pizza pan stick or whatever, you know, that thing that gets the pizzas in and out of the oven. And it's just a guy talking to the camera from behind the camera. And it's not particularly, I mean, so what you, what we just read here is what happened, but this is, I can't believe this is still happening. I remember when I first started doing DoorDash in 2018, yeah. And actually Postmates is even worse because with Postmates, like 90% of the orders were order and pay from restaurants. Like I'd walk in and be like, yeah, I'm picking up a Postmates order. And they had no idea what I was talking about. Like, oh no, I have to wait in line, place the order, pay with the card and then wait for them to make it like a chump. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we've, we've bagged on Grubhub enough since we started the show and with uh, the new investor, you know, already skeptical of it. And the, what was that? Like that, I mean, that, that company that, that hedge fund only has like 6% share and they're saying dump it. Mm-hmm. I mean, please somebody give us some good Grubhub news. 
it's, it's just so shady. It's it's just a shady, crummy thing to do. And it looks like eventually there's going to be some level of regulation that's going to come in. First, I, I even it's interesting just to even have the idea to think, hey, can we get away with this? Like someone bought this idea to all these, you know, Grubhub, all these companies that, hey, let's put the restaurants who didn't ask to be in our system, let's put them in anyway and just use, because I think well, Grubhub originally was just an online menu thing before, right? Before they did food delivery. But it was like, let's just take these old menu and just put them on and people order and we'll just use a card and pretend we're customers. Like, it's just so shady. Eventually, you know, they're going to have a, you know, government breathing down their neck telling you, you cannot do this because these companies, these businesses, these restaurants did not, did not want to be a part of the platform. Yeah. Brian, have you ever done these order and pay from non-partnered restaurants? Oh, yes. Uh, I've done it both on Uber Eats and Grubhub. And uh, I've, I've been thrown out of a couple of places uh, because of it. Uh, they just said, we're not going to have anything to do with those because I guess um, somebody's order we got gotten messed up a while ago and then go leave a bad review on that restaurant's uh, Google reviews or Yelp or whatever. And yeah, then they're just like, well, we're not going to accept any of those orders. So, yeah, I've been told to leave a couple of places because of it. And in fact, I rarely take an order and pay. Um, there's only a couple of places that I do because I know I won't wait long. And yeah, I've I've done it there before uh, where they just are like, yeah, whatever. They don't care. As long as you're paying, you know, the money's good to them. It's funny. Uber Eats started doing uh, order and pay like a year ago. And I, re- I didn't opt into it at first. And then I, I, I don't know why, but I did. I got an Uber a credit card. And like when the order and pay comes in, it's like these baller orders. It's like over $20 a lot of times. And you realize it'll oh, say yeah. estimated time, 45 minutes. Like, oh, no, uh-huh. no, no. <laughs> See, I'll I, do those. I, I, I will. 45 uh, minutes for 20 bucks is actually pretty good. But yeah, it's just, it is. It's just, it's just the, the idea time- of like, I just don't want to sit there for in wait, you know. I did this one. This happened to me once this summer. Uh, the pay, the estimated payout was like twenty bucks. I can't remember twenty or twenty five to and and it said on there about 45, 50 minutes. I forget what it was. Well, I get there, the restaurant slammed. It's a beachfront restaurant, and I ended up waiting there for about a half an hour. And I was like, okay, well, fine. You know, the delivery is actually right nearby. It's, it was in a resort. So I didn't have to go too far for the delivery. So I found the guy, found all the instructions and and whatever. I got him, found him by some lakeside. And then um, turned around an hour later, I got the notification that he tipped me 50 bucks. So wow. <laughs> it was like, wow, thank you. So I haven't forgotten that. So I don't shy away from them too quick, but the payout has to be worth the estimated time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I'll do the order and pace. All right. Let's move on. So this is from fadeawayworld.net. This is where I get all my news from. <laughs> Oddly enough, it is not NewsGuard certified. You know, I'm going to submit this site to NewsGuard. I want to see if what their journalistic standards are. So Evan Fournier was frustrated with his food delivery driver. What the hell are you supposed to do when your DoorDash guy keeps the food for himself? Evan Fournier joined the New York Knicks during the offseason, and he has already endeared himself to New York faithful by scoring 32 points in their season opener against the Boston Celtics. Fournier, am I saying that right? Fournier yeah. recently celebrated his 29th birthday, but it seems as though there was someone who was willing to spoil the occasion. 
Fournier tweeted that his DoorDash delivery driver kept the food for himself and asked the NBA community what to do in that situation. The driver did? <laughs> That's called the dangling participle. Uh, it's fairly easy to report the driver for taking one's food on the app, but other people have had some funny suggestions. Channing Fry, for example, jokingly told Evan Fournier, man, they say Evan Fournier, all that, whoever wrote this, man, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, learn how to cook to avoid the situation. Uh, Evan Fournier told Fry that the Knicks were on the road. Fry then proceeded to ask Fournier about which city they were in, New Orleans, as he knew all the restaurants in any given city. Hopefully this particular incident doesn't happen. Take a drink every time he writes Evan Fournier. It is easy to understand why he was frustrated as having your delivery driver take your food while you're hungry. It's certainly not an optimal situation as you either have to cook or order again in order to actually eat. The New York Knicks will certainly hope that Evan Fournier is well-fed on and away games over the course of the rest of the season uh, as he is a key part of their offense. His shooting and shot creation has definitely been good for a team whose offense struggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, the moral of the story is don't steal customers food because you might end up in fadeawayworld.net <laughs> I feel like I've missed some details so it just okay, it's just ordered food and they and he saw DoorDasher take the food I don't know like it's I guess yeah, it, it probably awesome never showed up too. <laughs> yeah well I mean well it's not NewsGuard certified so I'm sure yeah. he did complain about DoorDash order but like was it canceled? He didn't know. Uh, Probably what happened was it was marked as delivered, and then he went outside his door, and there was nothing there. Well, you yeah, know? I guess it was just a little more more information on the. That story. happens all the time. How many scuzzbag drivers do you see? We all know they do that. They just, or even worse, like just go to Chipotle, just look for a bag, and just take it. <laughs> There's like no security. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then eventually, then you go back to the restaurant. They don't have the the food readily next to the door anymore it's behind the county then you have to go talk to someone because so many people decided to steal um we when you talk to people who are not in you know not in the gig community or whatever you ask them about their experiences with a doordash or ubis even instacart people will tell you negative like negative situations like there's too many of us out here and then there's a small fraction that should never be touching anyone's food really doing any kind of work with customers. They don't know what they're doing or they're being very aggressive or just flat out stealing and lying. But when you're, you know, trying to conquer the entire world like DoorDash is doing, you're picking up everyone. People who have felonies, mm-hmm. people who have killed people. I mean, probably not. Maybe. Gang members who put their wiener like, in the <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> and these are the people that are coming into your businesses. They're coming into your homes to give you food. It's just, uh, what, what is going to happen? What do they expect to happen in these types of situations? Yeah. I just can't get past the sloppy journalism. You know, the I, writing. Know. I mean, it, it's just, it's I, just I, I, it lost me when they repeated the name like the third time. I'm like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I, 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 like I SEL type thing. Like keep pushing the name of someone. I don't know. Like it just seemed really. <laughs> uh, yeah. That might be it. We're doing it on purpose. I don't know. Okay. I, 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 they probably have some good student loan debt to pay off for that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you thought that one was bad, this one I think is from an Indian newspaper. So it's translated into English times now news.com. Uber Eats driver sends woman photo of her order dumped in a bush. An Uber Eats driver dumped a woman's order in a bush after she requested the driver to change the delivery location, which was a minute's drive away. 
A woman was left fuming after an Uber Eats driver refused to deliver a meal and then sent her a photo of the food dumped in a bush. Jeanette Erickson Gray claimed that she was forced to forage in the rain for her order after a delivery driver dumped her food. She was left empty-handed as she could not find it. The 39-year-old had ordered happy meals from McDonald's for her seven-year-old daughter and her friend. After placing the order, she spotted that the account had saved her friend's address from where she had placed an, an order earlier. She contacted the driver to change the delivery location, which was a minute's drive away. However, the driver told her he didn't get paid to do that. Jeanette even drew a diagram to give directions to the driver, but he sent her a picture of her food dumped in some bushes. The mom was forced to take the two children out in the rain to find their abandoned food, but they had returned empty-handed. I did message the driver twice to say that the wrong address, even before he picked up the food, uh, was quoted as saying by the mirror. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, this is clearly in the UK. Uh, I, I, this lady went way too much trouble. It's just as soon as he, as soon as he saw the the pictures of the food in the bushes, just call DoorDash or McDonald's or whatever, and just be like, "Look at this! What this turd driver did? You know, demand a refund or demand a, a re-delivery. You know, don't go out in the rain looking for your food. You know, it's gonna first of all, it's gonna be all wet, damaged, soggy." It's gross, dude. Was this a real story? Like, who would do that? Like, like, even if you took a, if I got a picture of my delivery on in a bush or any place that's not where I told them to put it, that's it. I'm not going to go get the food. Like, I don't know what's yeah. happening here. You know? I, I wouldn't either. I don't know what she was doing. I feel so, bad for the customer. I mean, really, uh, <laughs> that's just uh, look for her to go out in, in the rain with her kids i mean obviously that's just a bad experience for the kids number one number two yeah, yeah we're just so many They're of us grew up not wanting to waste food so of course you're going to go try and look for it you know within a reasonable uh, distance yeah. but yeah, you know, for the for the driver to say oh i don't get paid for that to go an extra mile down the road holy crap dude i i've i've had to go a few miles out of my way to to deliver to the right address because you know the apps do not always update address changes i've run into that a couple of times this summer and one time it did take me a lot longer than even i thought it would but hey you do what you got to do sometimes and uh, it is the uh it is the customer's responsibility to have the the correct address but i will say it that if you're if you're ordering on your phone, especially because this happened to me, like like uh, last year, I was at my girlfriend's house and I pulled up DoorDash. I was going to place an order, and like immediately, because it has your address at the top of the screen, and it says looks like you're far away from, you know, my address. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to put her address in and not yeah. my address, because or there's times where like I'm driving home and I want to like I want to order DoorDash so that it shows up like right as I'm getting home or right after I get home. And the same thing will happen. It'll say, it looks like you're far away. It's like, no, I actually am ordering to my house. But yeah, I'm 20 minutes away right now, but I wanna, I'm want to. i ordering now so that by the time I get home, it'll be there. It happened to me uh, on Tuesday when I was coming home from the hospital. I ordered Chipotle when I was leaving the hospital. And the driver showed up right as I pulled in the by parking spot. I get out of my door and just hand it to him. Or he hands it to me. <laughs> that was pretty convenient. So you were Chipotle coming fresh out of the hospital. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I didn't eat anything the entire day. No, I, had a, I had a cup of yogurt. I was on 100 calories for the day. 
I've got a crazy uh, Grubhub delivery story. Uh, Dickie's Barbecue, it was to a customer at, at a local hospital. And I get in there. And, of course, hospitals don't let you be on certain points, right? And this one particular hospital mm-hmm. I had delivered to, I mean, they are extremely rigid. There is You don't get beyond the front door of that place for anything. So I'm later finding out that, uh, you know, no nurses were going to come down to pick up the order that there was no, the customer was not responding to any of the text messages, phone calls or anything. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to cancel this delivery. And then, uh, later on about an hour after the cancellation, the, this customer calls me, turns out she was ordering for her mother and she's like, well, where's the food? How come it's not there? I said, well, I can't go up to the patient rooms. Long story short, she says, well, she's in the COVID unit. I'm like, oh, great. So you wanted me to go to the COVID unit to deliver this? <laughs> I'm glad I canceled that order. No way. And I said, this is why they don't let you in that door. And she just, oh, she lost her crap with me. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? <laughs> why did she still have your number after an hour? Because those they numbers. Leave, they leave it open for about an hour to, to talk to you. An hour? Yeah. Most I I know like I've done it on DoorDash where you actually text the customer or call them, and I know those dummy numbers they will they'll lock up after like five minutes after the delivery. Huh. Now this, I, this I've is almost been, an hour. I've been well, texted after five minutes on an order. Either they said something was missing, but definitely more than five minutes. But an hour that seems like a lot. I was shocked when I got that phone call. I was driving to another place. I'd already done another delivery and I'm pulling into the parking lot of Publix to take an Instacart order. And I got this phone call and it, I was on the phone with her for like five, good five minutes. And then <laughs> finally I picked up another order and actually that same number got recycled with another customer. I'm go good. I don't have to deal with this anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> holy crap. It's like, yeah, you want me to deliver to your mother in the COVID unit. Thanks. Yeah. Where did you get? You just left it with like with the security or something, or no, no, didn't even do that because the food was just going to sit there because nobody was going to come get it. There was they, you know, nursing shortages, so there's no hospital staff that's going to be delivering food to anybody's rooms on this particular day. So I'm like, okay, I'll just take it with me. It was from <laughs> a good barbecue place, so I ate some of it. <laughs> Did you at least like take a picture and like, hey, I left your delivery at the door or whatever? Or... No, I didn't do that. No, yeah, Grubhub... I got a hold of Grubhub somehow, and they they uh, took care of it. Yeah, Grubhub isn't like security conscious the way Uber Eats and DoorDash is, like with taking a picture oh. of the delivery. Like they they don't care. They don't. I don't think they've ever prompted me to take a picture. It just says I've. It just says. It just sends a message to the customer. I've left your your order at the door. It prompts me to to send a message, but I can even yeah. just click continue and not even send the message because half the time the customers come out to greet you anyway. So it's like mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, this is part of the show. Everybody gets to plug what they got coming up this week. So uh, what do you got going on, Hannibal? Any plans? Oh, uh, Tuesday I'll be talking to Steve from the Ride Chair Rodeo Podcast. We're going to be talking about all types of things. He, he's super smart. He knows a lot about the laws and 85 and all those type of things. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about that. And then Friday, I'll be talking to Dash or Pass. I'm sure you're familiar, you're familiar with her, um, mm-hmm. Chad. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We're going to just be ripping. I think it's like Friday night. So it's going to be Friday night. It's going to be right. We're going to be having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I know you just released a video yesterday, didn't you? I did. Yes. Uh, I think it was Friday, actually. And uh, I've got another one I'm going to be working on Tuesday, and it's 
how do you handle, I did one about customer when a customer complains or dealing with an irate customer is actually the title of, of that one. Now I've got one. How do you deal with a problem with a store employee? And I'll tell my mm-hmm. experiences of what happened to me on a recent weekend that caused me to have to have to complain about somebody, something I didn't enjoy <laughs> having to do. But we'll, we'll talk about that. experience. Well, I can't wait to see that one because there's there's a lot of employees that I deal with. I just want to wring their necks. But I don't. <laughs> right. So, yeah. But there are times when you just have to do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, this coming Wednesday is a interview with Precious Lesko. That's she'll be our first ever Canadian uh, on the show. And then the the Wednesday after that, November 17th, is a self-employed investor journey. He's out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, so that's uh, November 17th. And I think I'm going to take off the uh, the the Wednesday before, because I always do the show on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm probably going to take off the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Or if I have a an interview that week, it might I might do it on Monday or Tuesday. It's um, I got a couple people in the works right now. So... Yeah, uh, check that out. So, uh, hope everybody has a good week, and uh, thanks, thanks everybody who who watched all the way to the end. You're awesome, yeah. or listened all the way to the end. Again, if you want to listen yeah, to the podcast, well, uh, thank Brian for for coming in this week. Yeah, always. <laughs> Instacart Bulldog. What you said? What? Oh, say we're going. Also, say thank thank Brian for coming in this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're welcome. Th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, um, n- nice to be here. You know, again, you know, I'm hitting a milestone with subscribers. I've been getting more and more just about every day. So I like that. Awesome. Um, I- I've fallen a little bit behind on watching some of my other uh, favorite uh, YouTubers. So I'm getting caught up on that today and yeah, we'll be a little bit later this week too. So, uh, Chad, I've seen a couple of yours. I liked your 50 tips. And then, um, also I just watched today your, uh, how to shop a trip batch you know a lot of the things that i i pretty much do too so hey look we all have our own styles too so whatever works to get it done and get it done right you know i I totally forgot about that 50 tips video so that that's funny if you listen well actually i don't think you can tell but um i shot most of that footage last year around christmas and i put it on my backup drive and then i put it within a folder within a folder within and i totally forgot where i put it and for a while, for like up until like a few days ago, I just assumed that it was gone. And then I was just combing through, going through, because I always run backups like on the first of the month. And then, then I found it. I was like, oh my God, there's that video I wanted to make like a year ago. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to put this together right now. And uh, I put that, I, originally it was going to be 100 tips because uh, there's other videos called 50 Instacart tips. And I was like, well, I'm going to do 100. But I was like, eh, it's going to be a 30 minute video then. So um, yeah, so 50 Instacart tips and they're all, very quick. I did try to put music in the background, but it just, it didn't work for whatever reason. So um, it's, but I will say that if you, I think I, well, Brian, I mean, you're, you're, I, I'm not going to, you know, pat my own back. So if you think it was really helpful, <laughs> uh, let the, the viewers know. I, I, I would <laughs> suggest that to both uh, veterans and, and newbies alike. S- seriously. Uh, there, there's a lot of things uh, you, you, some of those tips I've done extensive videos on and you just summarize it in the matter of seconds. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Check it out. I will take one exception to something that you said though. 
on the oh, eggs. Yeah. You know, that when you're picking up the eggs to check them and you're talking about those clear uh oh, cases, yeah, the clear cartons. You know, to, to, to turn and look at them. I tried that once and I did not get away with it. Uh, mm. cashier uh opened up the package at checkout and she saw a cracked one and I could not see it when I was doing that trick. So uh I that's when I ended it could up have got saying, cracked between the egg case and the who knows Checkout, when though. it happened? Who knows when it happened? But that's when I said, that's it. I'm opening every one of them for now on <laughs> clear or otherwise. So and, and I'll tell you what, it's a pain in the butt to do those 30 count packages. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I don't even and check I, those. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, you're better off not probably, but I do <laughs> it carefully and <laughs> yeah. it, it works. <laughs> All right. So thanks everybody uh, out there for watching. And Let's run our new outro. And I will see everybody on Wednesday. Go get them! (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode. Chad will be back in a few days interviewing a fellow gig worker, content creator, or an industry insider to discuss the world of the gig economy. Until then, keep hustling. 